Listening to a Talk of Spirit anime cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joining with Chris. Yo, today's episode is on production, ambitions, issues, delays. It's kind of a hot button topic right now, so I figured it would be a, a cool thing to get on here and just have a casual conversation about expectations versus reality when it comes to animation. So yeah, basically, what kind of spurred this on is that for those that are not aware, in a recent episode of My Hero Academia, episode 109. I'm not going to spoil things. There was a particular scene, a, a combat sequence, that in the show was was pretty not insane. I mean, we are we do have high expectations for Bones and how they treat My Hero Academia, that's for sure. But the problem that came from that was essentially the animator that was working on this particular segment later posted on Twitter showing the roughs of what they essentially were wanting to do. And obviously, when people seen that, <laughs> speculations went crazy, and people started posting side-by-side comparisons, and the context was kind of lost as to why this person posted it. And so, what kind of spurred from that, I ended up making a video talking about this, and kind of running through the animator's words and what they said in response to people's essentially taking it out of context, is this idea of people having expectations for what they want in the adaptation... And how that turns into mostly toxic responses and outrage that people have for the product that they're receiving. And I, I, I know this is probably going to be one of those podcasts where we're not going to probably say things that are going to be taken positively like by a lot of people. Because a lot of people are very passionate. I wouldn't say passionate. I would just say toxic about this particular subject because we, a large, I wouldn't say large, a a group of very loud people like to assume the worst of everything. We like to make a big deal and hatred towards, typically, the studio, and <laughs> Thor angry at them despite it not always being their fault. <laughs> I mean, shocker here, I know. It's not always their fault. So what is your what is your pre-thoughts on this particular thing before we start well when i glanced at the the outline i was like um where are you taking us this is going <laughs> to be an interesting discussion in general it's it's one of those funny things and i i i hope i'm not i don't jump ahead too much on this but 
it, one of the things that if you've if you've done any research into the history of anime uh, in general, um, one of the things that is very well known is this is a medium that is designed around the idea of giving uh, giving storytelling, but at a as low a budget as possible to make the maximum amount of money. Um, yes, the market has shifted a lot and it's generally shifted in the direction of, um, for a lack of a better term, selling stuff, um, between merchandise, um, merchandise, selling, yeah, merchandising, selling, uh, selling manga, selling the, um, the, uh, the Blu-rays or whatever have you, however you want to put it. Yes, the market has shifted. Um, but when it comes down to the base thing, it is to use as little amount of money, basically budgeting, to make the maximum amount of profit. Taking that into consideration, some of the things that you see is usually involved in that that process in general um yes there is a a voracious sakuga community i'm not discounting them in any way shape or form and and when you get a good um beautiful animation it is like eye candy and you just can't get enough of it and you wish the entire show was like that but to expect that on a constant level it's just not viable and there's a lot of studios that try to strive to do that. That's, there's no doubt there. I mean, Hayao Miyazaki, that's his whole thing. It's like, let's try to make the entire movie Sakaga. <laughs> and he's allowed to do that because they put a lot of money in that stuff. And, and that, you hit the main point. And I think if anybody wants the nutshell, too long didn't listen, uh, about this entire topic, it is business. These companies want to make money. Big shock, I know. <laughs> With every business, there there is some cases where things are art projects. There are things where they do things to either get a name out there or to get recognition. But for a majority, 99.9999% of all of these shows and these works, it's about turning a profit. And yes, it sucks. I hate to say this, and I don't think anybody disagrees. It sucks that, you know, animators aren't paid that much. We all want – we want – the ideal world is that we want everybody to get paid what they essentially need in order to survive. And yes, there's a there's a problem there. But to degrade everything to that is not really doesn't make much sense. Yes, restructuring things, how people make money. A lot of studios, including like Kyoto Animation, what thing they're well known for is being able to do that, to actually care for their employees. That's why there was such a huge outpour, I think, to Kyoto Animation when the fire happened. It was people knowing, acknowledging how well they treat their people and people out, you know, outpoured their love to that studio. But for the most part, everything is kind of built around the system of producing money. And everything that we're about to talk about comes down to that. It, that's going to be the, the first point there. Yes, there's going to be some things that slide a little bit to the side. But for the majority, everything is going to break down to who is putting money into this and what is their expectations. That is their expectations is to make money. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. Now, for most cases, it's them putting money towards it in order to sell the manga. And in some cases, they feel if we do just well enough, people will be interested enough in the story to come back to the manga. We don't want to give too much money because we just want it to portray this well enough. 
that people will come back and read the manga or they'll come back and read the light novel. So that's, I think, like I said, that's, that's going to be pretty much a crux to most of what we're going to talk about. But it, it, it's one of those things where that realization of how that process goes is important to know when you're looking at things like this situation with My Hero Academia, where you have these expectations, you change, you see what it happens in the end, and then everybody goes to the common denominator. And I don't know why it's always the studio. <laughs> I, there's a lot of moving parts in there. I, I think that's really the, the crux of it. You have to acknowledge the moving parts to understand that it's not always going to be what you think it is. And I think what's so great about this kind of spurring this conversation for us is having an example where we know for pretty much for sure. I mean, yeah, the, the this animator could be lying to people. They could be covering for bones. We don't know. But this is a cool example to have here because what happens with most of these cases, whenever we have an issue with animation or how the finished product looks, is we don't have context. They're not going to talk to people. They're not going to come out and make a big tweet and say, Okay, um, let's explain what happened. Um, so essentially, Billy was working on this segment, and Billy, <laughs> he did an incredible job. You would not believe how this looked. Oh, I, I showed my kids, and my kids are now aspiring to become animators. It looks so good. Um, we finished it. We got it all colored. But <sighs> Tommy, Tommy, <laughs> we had him go get coffee, <laughs> and uh, he came in with like 10 cups of coffee and he was somehow balancing these and he tripped and he fell right on the computer that had it on it and just fried the motherboard and it shot like some crazy read writes the hard drive and it just screwed everything up we had a guy looking at the hard drive for like five hours he couldn't figure it out and uh we lost that segment so um it's tommy's fault <laughs> they don't do that <laughs> they don't do that they literally go here's the finished product May, there might be some outcry, and then they they may, just maybe, very slight chance come out and say, we're sorry. But for the most part, it's just silence. It's radio silence. We don't know. Because everybody involved in their, with in it... Their, in their saving face involved in that as well? You would think. You would think. I mean, there, there's the aspect of, is this radio silence a good thing? Or is being perfectly clear a good thing? And I think for the most part, I think from a their standpoint, and this is my assumption based on history of watching this kind of stuff, is they just don't burn bridges. This is Japan just doesn't burn bridges. They don't talk out about things. They keep quiet because there's no reason to tell people. Again, you can chop that up as their business and their responsibility is not to tell you everything that happens in their business. But at the same time, we from this standpoint, a lot of fans of these shows feel they are owed that explanation like we we are we are owed the reason for why this thing didn't turn out perfect and it's not really technically the case well they also they also have a have a habit of um going back and fixing it for the um final release so they in in some cases it's just a matter of getting the getting the product out there for the vast majority and then if you want the good version you'll buy the dvd slash blu-ray yeah typically that's for like the censorship but with with fixes yeah with some studios because you do have to understand that and i think this is i haven't really checked recently but when i researched it before it was the case that yeah technically the blu-ray is for the studio to make money 
Like they 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 produced it. They are able to put it on Blu-ray. Yeah, they probably have to pay royalties still, but they make their money in a lot of cases by selling those Blu-rays. So it is in their best interest to fix things that they messed up. Or maybe they have, they have a because that's what they did. Obligation to that's what they did with Wizard Barristers. Right off the top of my Mikaku head, Mikaku City actors. They had an entire episode. I think that they outsourced it, so it looked. It didn't even look like the show. The characters didn't even look anywhere remotely close to it. So what they did is they fixed it. I think that was Shaft. They went back and they fixed that entire episode. It looked. It didn't even look the same. And you know that that probably was because a lot of people would probably not buy the Blu-ray, so they have to fix it in order to actually fix that. But there. But it's sad that there's a lot of cases where it doesn't seem like that a lot of that stuff's fixed. But I do think it's sad that that is technically a selling point. <laughs> Like, yeah. I've had several times where I'm like, I look up to see if I can find the comparison shots because I want to make sure that this, uh, I think Wizard, not Wizard Barristers, um, the other one that we talked, no, it was Wizard Barristers. With Wizard Barristers, I literally looked up to see if it was fixed. I wasn't going to buy it if it wasn't fixed. <laughs> literally, that that entire scene was terrible, so it was my in my best interest to actually check that. And yeah, sure enough, they fixed it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like I said, it it is... To your point, I I think it was to your point, <laughs> it is something that I don't think that it's in their best interest to even speak. And, they, and it's funny because I, I say that with the understanding that they probably do it because they don't want to burn bridges. The animator doesn't want to say anything because they're probably never going to get hired again. The director doesn't want to say anything because it's probably his fault. <laughs> the, the studio doesn't want to say anything because they don't want to, you know, tarnish the name of the director. They don't want to tarnish the name of whoever's at fault with it. The production committee could be at fault with it, but they're not going to say anything because they're money. They 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 do what they want to do with it. There's there's a lot of struggles there that I don't think anybody necessarily wants to speak out. And I I, I know there's some cases where directors were like, <sighs> I'm trying to think of an example where directors were pretty much outspoken. There was one particular one I don't remember. Oh, I wish I could remember which one it was. There was a director that's pretty well known that was very outspoken. And I don't think I've ever heard from that director again. It's like it if you have a director that literally speaks out about how much they hate the industry and stuff, I think Miyazaki's the only one that gets away with it because he has his own studio basically basically has his own studio. Basically has a producer behind him at all times. Um the the, the one the one animator that says I hate anime. <laughs> yeah, and then puts his cherry cigarette out on the producer's face. <laughs> and they say they go, Thank you, sir. <laughs> But yeah, like, I, I wish I can remember that director's... I, it wasn't that he was well-known. It's just he did a couple things that were decent. Oh, I wish I wish I could remember what what he directed. But yeah, he was outspoken. I don't think I've ever heard from him again. But again, I'm saying that I don't remember what his, his worked on. And I'm saying that I haven't seen him again. Um, <laughs> you just don't do that. I just And, and I agree with it. I, I, I don't think that me personally, if I work with somebody that was outspoken on Twitter all the time saying how much they hate this or that, I wouldn't work with them. Well, you're, they you're also, yourself out there. you also have the underhanded um, jabs at the industry, usually uh, through through anime that actually point the the problems out. I can't think of the names of them off the top of my head, but or the um, the uh, writer who Wata- actually did an- Watari Wataru. I think it was his name. That was one I was going to bring up eventually, but. Uh- the one who did the entire Wataru um, Wataru, yeah, uh, where he pointed out, "Hey, look, you guys did this to my anime, my my story. You guys took it, was it and you pretty, destroyed it." Yeah, it was pretty underhanded, but it was pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've brought that on several times, but yeah, Wataru Watari, he was the one that created my romantic comedy snafu, 
and then he did Quiet Idea Code. I know people are probably the people that have listened to us a long time are sick of us bringing this up, but it, it's a really good example. It's a it's one of the very first clear examples that we ever gotten from this kind of stuff. He did quali- he wrote Quiet Idea Code, which was in uh, I think it was an anime original. I think they did something on the side as well, but um, at some point that show went downhill visualize. It was a good story, actually. I mean, even in the end, I still like that story. It was a pretty, it was a slightly done before story, but it was a cool way they did it. Um, but when it came to him doing his next project, which was Girlish Number, what was in that? They called a, him out. <laughs> there was a character in that show because it was a, it was a show about pretty much this. It was mostly focused on the seiyus of the industry of of anime making, and the main characters were seiyus. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you've seen this character come in. And he's being drug around by the, the producer and the director, I think. He's being drug around, and they're showing him what they're doing with his work. He's the writer. He was the writer of the show. And they're showing them what they're doing, and the writer's going, oh, well, I, I don't really want that to happen with my – that's not what I intended. With it. He was basically saying, you know, voicing his concerns about what they were doing with his writing – and what were they doing? Ah, don't worry about it. Come on, come over here and look at this. They were just shuffling him around, and he couldn't get his word in there. And it's like, seems a little on the nose. <laughs> this guy has had his stuff adapted before, and he's literally saying, why the hell do you do this to my work? <laughs> it seemed pretty obvious. I mean, that wasn't... And it was funny, because it wasn't even the focal point of the show. He could no. have easily made a show... I'm the writer. What are you doing? It, it, the the, it the was, show would be titled, um, I was a uh, writer that eventually had my work adapted into an anime. And, and they I totally destroyed it. And they totally destroyed it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the full title. <laughs> It'll be a light novel eventually. That's why it has to be long. Well, and, and, and that's that. That's why we say it was underhanded jabs. It, it, it wasn't anything that he, like Andrew was saying, it wasn't like they he came out and flat out said it. It was one of those that if you're reading behind or between the lines you could see what he was saying. He was saying, look, you guys are ruining these, these, these original works by, by doing what you're doing. And, and so it was, a, it was why we loved it so much and why we bring it up so often is we are seeing the message that he's sending because we know we, we've been following it for a while. It, you literally have to go through the process of, Falling in love with this writer by watching Comedy Snafu, watching Quality of Code and going, what the heck happened here? And then turn around and watch Girlish Number. And then you will understand what it is we are talking about. We literally seen this from from step by step as this timeline went went across. Yeah, and it was – I would actually check to see if he's still doing stuff in the industry. <laughs> yeah, he did a serious composition for the uh, Saints Magic Powers Omnipotent, so. Oh, he's, good. He's still apparently working. <laughs> well, he he probably – He does a lot of source material he, stuff, with, though. With, I mean, he was originally a light novel uh, writer, so. With with uh, Girlish Number, I, I mean, obviously, um, he found a place that was going to take him serious, so. Yeah, and it was – it was great. It was – Girlish Number wasn't, like, a fantastic show, in my opinion, but it was a cool... It was one of those cool things where you do get... What's so fascinating about it is to have that... Is he saying something here? Is he saying something here? I mean, that was the same case with the Anime Gotharis. Uh, Anime Gotharis? Yeah, that's what it was. That was a show that literally was speaking to the fans. Like, when it, it was it was literally saying, stop... Shut up about this. It's literally, it was almost like they were... Almost jabbing at their fans, and it was for a good thing. 
they were making things in there that I'm like, yeah, I think we do take this too serious. Yeah, I think that's really stupid. They were taking jabs at the fans in a sense. Well, the and the, the see- biggest the biggest one that we we pointed out when we watched that that show was the three episode rule. They yeah, literally John, <laughs> they they literally came out and said, "Hey, you guys, you keep talking about this three episode rule. It's not a thing. It's not a thing." <laughs> well, I mentioned that before with the the three episode rule. It technically lines in with the the aspect of a first volume or a first uh, a first volume of something, mm-hmm. and so it technically makes sense because that first volume is your hook. Right, you want to get people to get the next volume and the next volume. So there, it does make sense that there is going to be some sort of hook in that first segment. Now, it's not always the case. There's a lot of cases where stuff is like, I mean, where is it going eventually? And it does make you pause and wonder. It's one of those things where it's a show where you get past those, you know, yes, the three-episode rule point, and you don't really see a hook. But then eventually down the road, Punchline's a perfect example. Right. It didn't take until episode five or six? Four. I think the real hook was in four but you did. It wasn't clear until five. It wasn't clear. But that was an example right there where it hits you, and you're like, "Whoa, wait!" But I don't know that punchline had a. Was that an original? Yes, it was an original. You sure? I'm ninety nine percent sure. Then that makes sense why it wasn't. Because if you, go, if, if you go, if you go, if you go, if you go with the three, the three episode rule on punchline, you will be sorely mistaken or sorely misled in every way shape or form because the first three episodes was the because we've talked about how that was a bait and switch where oh yeah they gave a they gave us etchy 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 for the first three episodes four was where it went hey we're more than etchy and then five it was like okay this is what we're really trying to do yeah and it's a good example of uh, the bait and switch and i think it was a it's, it's literally every time we talk about bait and switch we bring up punchline because it was like one of the most the most amazing versions of that. I mean, technically, uh, with Yuki Yuna as a hero, it technically is a bait and switch. It was a club show. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, nowhere, it's like, wait, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Technically, School Live has a little bit of that in there as well. But, but anyways, probably should kind of somewhat go to my outline, which my outline was, like I said, just really putting points in there so that we can discuss on it. I do think there is a fan perspective of this whole thing. And th- this is where I'm kind of... I kind of want to make pe- sure people know that I I agree to an extent. Like, I am technically on the side that you do have expectations. I mean, can we can we argue the fact that technically we're paying customers? Yeah. We yeah, are. Absolutely. Pay- so hey. there is an expectation. It, that's the thing I always hate is everybody's like, well, and this is me playing. I'm going to play quite a bit of devil advocate here. I'll try to make sure that I put in there that this is how I feel. First of all, to be perfectly clear, no matter what I say in, in going with this idea of the devil's advocate, I do not agree with harassing or threatening the original creators. That is plain stupid. That should never be done. That is that is inexcusable. Never do I think it's okay to even harass, definitely not threaten, none of this stuff, because that is the worst part of this whole thing. So let me make that perfectly clear, and I'm sure Chris agrees with me. Yeah. Unless you're like, meh, a little bit of harassment is okay. Well, okay, there's a there's a difference between harassment and saying I am displeased with this product. Mm-hmm. There's that, that is a vastly different animal, and can you find the line? I yeah. I wish people could, I but I think that people take it way too over over the top because we're we're used to going to a store and 
for lack of a better term, moan about, hey, I don't, your product, this product was bad. And so therefore you need to replace it. And if the, if the customer service rep says no, then you make a bigger moan. And eventually the more and more you yell, the, eventually the customer service rep says, has to balance between, do I give you this product for 25 cents or lose out on any potential customers that are coming through and seeing this big O uh, to do that you're doing right now. You you realize every time you say that I have to get an Udasai in there, but I'll miss some otherwise. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't think of a better marking. I think of a better term right there. Complain, complain. <laughs> um, if you make a fuss, yeah, there you, you go. Win. Fuss. <laughs> Be a fuddy duddy. <laughs> we gotta use. We gotta dig into our grandma's vocabulary because we don't want to offend the algorithms. But it is. It's it's one of those things that really sucks. It, the the person who's the loudest usually will win because we are a. A society of complainers. Yeah, really, it is, <laughs> and that's the problem. It, you, 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 you've got to if you want to win in this the, this case because they're a polite society. Really, was what it comes down to, um, and they don't look at complaint the same way. Um, they just think that when it comes down to it, you watch anime for a while. Anytime there's a representation of a quote-unquote westerner they're obnoxious loud and annoying (laughs) why because we are loud obnoxious and annoying where do you miss the point (laughs) you know it's it's, yeah that's something i've dealt with a lot in i guess technically just working in um customer service just that aspect of you you go by the the rules and you say no this can't be done and then eventually that person leaves going crap well nothing could be done and the next person comes in and yells a little louder and something's done it's just that's just how it's set and we promote that we promote outrage and that's that's the sad thing is in in the case of this whole thing it's not really so much about i agree with you that you technically need to voice your concerns and you need to voice your dissatisfaction of something so but the problem this this is the scenario i'm going to write that technically it sucks because Social media and how it works, it kind of uses that to become harassment. Because, okay, let's say let's let's create a scenario here. So a creator creates let's let's just use this example one oh one oh nine of of My Hero Academia. This happens, and somebody posts the side by side comparisons, and again people take it out of context and they say Bones is terrible people. So they go to Bones director, they go to Bones's uh, studio account. And they tweet, this bites. I really wanted this to be good. It's, it's, it's not harassment. I think that's a valid statement. But what happens? That person doesn't see that 500,000 other people did the same exact thing. So it, even though they're all saying, this sucks, I wish this was better, it starts to sound more like harassment because they're getting bombarded by so many... Because what, what would be the definition of harassment? So you go... Somebody has a dog that keeps pooping on their lawn. So they eventually go to the house and they knock on the door and they say, your dog's pooping on my yard. Can you please not have him do that? Good statement. Works out. Guy's like, yeah, sure. Won't do that. Harassment comes when he keeps showing up every 10 minutes and saying, your dog pooped on my lawn. Stop that. It becomes harassment. And that's the same extent of 500,000 people all saying valid arguments to this. It feels like harassment. It's not. I still don't think it is. 
but it feels like harassment because so many people, their Twitter feed is hit nonstop by people saying this. Now, again, that's all in the eye of the beholder. And I think there's a problem with the language barrier as well, is I think that a lot of people will say things. I, I, I know the example, um, there's certain creators, especially artists, that uh, um, I think there was one in, in China here about a couple years ago that posted something. And somebody said, I think it was they, they posted this as like, they were posting basically a, a Western meme. And the meme seemed like it was saying that I will kill. It was something like, I kill for this character because it was so good. It was something like that. And what did the person say? Please don't do that. I'll take it down <laughs> because they thought that person was literally going to hurt somebody. It, there's, so there's a language barrier there. What I think people need to keep in mind as well is that you say something, you know, viciously, it might not translate correctly. So there's there's a lot of issues in how people communicate their dislike for something to a studio and something like that. Which again, I think it, I'm I'm drawing the comparison here, but I do think it is valid to have 500,000 people say politely and you know respectfully, I did not like how this turned out. That should have been the show because then they can go. Yeah, you're right. We should probably make sure that when that goes on Blu-ray, that that cut gets in there. What that guy wanted to make ends up in the show. Because, again, in his perspective, I it was ambitious. I wanted to do this, but it was not going to turn out. I did not have time admitting himself screwed up. But, again, we think it's a studio, so we, we start attacking the studio. But, um, yeah, going back to my original point... <laughs> It is valid to think that we are technically paying customers and we expect a good product. But the problem, I think, is that how do you measure the value? If you claim I'm, – I'm, I'm coming back here to the other side from the devil's advocate. How do you value that? If you're, if you're giving a subscription to Crunchyroll, what is to say – how can you expect that every show you click on in Crunchyroll should have – let's say, ufootable quality. Everything should have Ghibli quality. That expectation, where's the measure of expectation? What should we as paying customers expect that something should be value-wise? What does it say that your subscription only accounts you to have the quality of, I don't know, um, a budget anime, something, a limited Fafner? We were talking about that a while back. How much? This crazy, crappy CGI at the very end. Let's say divide. Uh, what what is a what is a subscription fee? Fifteen dollars. If Netflix, sure. Um, <laughs> let's just say six bucks. Six bucks. Divide six by thirty. That's what twenty cents. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, so if we were to take take roughly twenty cents, it, I, I'm I'm giving a lot of leeway. Okay. Understand. I'm I'm thinking if at 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 worst case scenario you watch one anime episode per ep, uh, per day, okay, thirty days in a month. Yes, there's twenty eight days and there's thirty one days and there's thirty days. So some believe there's two days. There's two days in a month. Um, let's so let's let's give a lot of leeway in this. So you're paying twenty cents per day to watch an anime, one anime episode. Now, consider that in relation to, yes, I understand there's a lot more mechanics, there's a lot more people watching shows, but you are getting a, 
what what did what did we we figure it out? It was like twenty thousand dollars per episode in um in in a lot of cases. I think I watch. Let's see. There is let's say about roughly thirty shows that I'm watching, and I'll I'll, I'll give it four weeks. So I watch. Um, let's see, four, four weeks, roughly four weeks per per month. So I watch about 120 episodes a month. Does that sound right? Yeah, I, I mean, you and me are are vastly different. I'm I'm than than most cases. Most cases, I I that's why I was saying I'm giving a lot of leeway in saying that people watch one episode per night. I know. So my my point is is you're getting a lot more value than you're investing. Now, take into consideration this is across many millions of uh viewers per month. There's a lot but, of people that so watch one or two shows a yeah. month. I think that a lot of their subscribers are probably only watching the basic shonen shows. And, and so so I'm not I'm I'm not saying that it 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 it's always equal. I'm saying that you personally are getting a lot more value than you are investing into these shows. Now, the problem is how does that translate to the bi- the bigger picture when you are cons- when you are taking into consideration that bigger picture understand that you are still the one who is getting more bang for your buck does that make sense yeah I am for sure. <laughs> I, I'm what they don't want. <laughs> I'm the, well, I'm like a mixed bag for them, technically, personally, because it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm. They're getting maybe five cents per episode because of how much I'm watching. If you take the value of six dollars and then divide it all to all those shows that I'm watching, but at the same time, I'm also the one that's telling people about all of these 120 right. so episodes that I watch every single month. So. so yeah, you're right. Technically, we're the we're the flip. Uh, of the of the situation where we are technically they're they're investing money into us to get us to <laughs> over yeah, overburdening their market and they probably have a sense of that they they probably have the sense of you know you can't cap how much somebody watches per month because of the spoken value of that if I watch all these shows that yeah a lot of shows that people don't even touch with a you know like I'm watching Nighthead right now and I think literally nobody else in the entire world is watching Nighthead but me watching Nighthead now tells other people. Yeah, it's a pretty good show. You probably should watch it, even though it's CGI. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm pretty sure Irumakun's the same thing for me, where I I actually have fun with that show, and technically, I'm telling people, hey, I'm having fun with this show, and that makes people go, huh, maybe I should check it out. Probably should give it a give it a, a watch. I don't. I know it's not for everybody, and I'm not saying it's for everybody. I'm having fun with it. <laughs> But I, I think the main core to bringing this up is more to point out the, I guess the, how how it doesn't really make sense. The idea of ex- the expectations based on you being a paying customer is wrong, because it, it there's no with to make that statement correct, you would have to have you yourself a written contract to each individual studio. You would have to have a written contract that you have these expectations for your. Like I mentioned earlier, five cents that I'm giving to this one episode, I need to have an expectation this will have a foodable quality. There's no, there's no, there's no expectation there. The only contract each individual has is that you are paying for access to a server to view those. You're not paying for access to view, and it needs to be this expectation. Everything has its own expectations. The only person that has some sort of quality expectation contract 
is going to be, you know, the producers. It's going to be the production committee. They have the paid contract for expectations. And it's there. Technically, that's where it's there. So, yeah, it, it's a good argument. At the same time, it's a failed argument. It has no staying power. But it, I do understand people's argument there. It, it, there is an, there's an expectation there. Um, the other aspect from the fan point view is the love of property, which this is probably the one that I'm, I'm least having to be a, a devil's advocate here because I do agree. There is an element of love for the property, especially if you've, if you've read into something long enough and that you love it long enough, you have this desire personally for that thing to do an incredible job. I'm sure I, I think that I've, I've read several times where there's a lot of people that are upset about My Hero Academia that are more upset in it because they've loved the property for so long and they feel that they were doing a good job. It's just they started stumbling. That's the... The One Punch Man fandom was the worst with this because they felt this velocity and this impact from the panels of the mangaka. And then when it came to it being adapted, especially even with the first season, there was this anger. But especially in the second season, there's this anger about how their baby that they've loved for so long, they've they've they you know plowed through this manga several times, and to have it adapted and not done justice to what they feel incites that anger that is one of the hardest ones to quantify in any way shape or form because of the fact that this is this is the one that i probably will um will agree with the most uh as far as um arguments because of the fact and and i'm not i i'm trying to stay middle of the road here because i see both sides as well um we're good at that (laughs) people hate some people hate us for that like you, you guys agree with too much stuff um, this one is the one that because this is this is across all fandoms. Mm-hmm. I I don't care which one. I the Game of Thrones we we argued that that one to death. Um, uh, the the issue with the the translations we argue it to death. The the issue with we we talked. I think we talked about it with Walking Dead at one point. It's 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 a this is a problem that goes across all fandoms literally. And it, the problem is – It's crazy in movies. There's so much vitriol <laughs> in the movies industry. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you fall in love with the source material. Um, I, I, I automatically, like I, I mentioned, Game of Thrones is one that I was so – I got sucked into it and I understand the frustration with that one to no end because of the way that that ended. Um, we dropped off of Walking Dead because at some point, and I'm one of those that actually followed the source material, Andrew just got kind of tired of it, and I agree with him for the reasons why. And I go back to the Negan scene. The Negan was a big one. The Negan scene. I felt it, and he was like, yeah, you're right. Because I, no, I think at one point I said, tell me if I'm right or wrong. And I, I literally laid it out to him. I'm like, it, I understand it feels like they're trying to... Well, uh, they're trying to make this character be understandable, but they're pushing him too far into the hate this character route that I don't think it's going to correct it. And you were like, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing wrong. And I'm like, I felt it. Like, I well, didn't know, I didn't know what was in the, the actual comics, and I knew what they were doing wrong. I was, I was building Negan up, 
Hey, with with you, I well, you was weren't spo- you weren't spoiling it. You were just right. telling me that he's a great, he's an amazing character. And, and when they had introduced him, they made a very very fatal mistake. And it's frustrating because I knew what they were doing, and I could see it just on the fact. It's it's so funny getting to the point where I'm where we have been so enveloped in storytelling for so long that you can actually see flaws in storytelling that is probably the hardest thing to reconcile when you are when you get to a certain point in 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 these things where you sit here and you're looking at it and you're going can this character quote unquote be redeemed and not everybody can handle that in the same way and i i agree so please don't misunderstand what i'm saying here there is a level because I'm actually seeing that kind of in Genshin Impact. There's there's some characters that are getting to the point where you wonder if they they can be redeemed in any way, shape, or form. And it's like how how are how does storytelling do that, or do they just go? Well, no, we're we're not even going to try to redeem. They were being character. controlled. <laughs> I, I'm literally facing that with two shows this season. There's two, and I'm not going to say which shows they are, just because I didn't think that's spoilers. But there's two shows this season that literally have a villain where it feels like the writer wants me to understand them. One especially, they want me to understand them for the sake of redeeming. But there's another one where I think they want me to understand because they think it's a clever villain that should stay around. And both of those scenarios require one crucial thing, that I understand them. Not that I agree with them. It's the main thing to keep that separate there. I mean, uh, Promise Neverland was a huge part of this, was understanding, not agreeing, understanding the villain. And you know what that does? It makes that villain incredible. And if I can't understand a villain, and especially if you want to keep it around for a long time, I have to understand it. Uh, Ushio and Tora, probably one of the best villains in Shonen yeah. I have seen in, I don't even know how long. Maybe Vegeta was probably the previous example from um, that particular villain. Ushio and Tora had a villain that we didn't understand initially. Eventually, we got into his story, and eventually, I felt dread facing that. I There was a dread, like, this thing is dangerous. This thing will kill everybody. That feeling coming into a villain so even, deep into even, it and then trying to redeem that character. I'm like, screw you, storyteller. How dare you make me <laughs> Well, and that, that, and that was the, the funny thing is it that, that villain didn't even try. And at the same time, that, that villain technically wasn't per se evil. And right. it still, it didn't try to redeem it. It just said it is what it is. It's right. a for, it's, it's a almost story. a force of nature. In, yeah, here's in a, a way. story. Here's its story, and then you're like, okay, now I'm not as you know ticked off as I was before, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, dang it. <laughs> it, it. It was a brilliantly writ, uh, written character, and this is this is the funny thing about that kind of stuff is you you want when when you if you were to follow a source material, and this is one of those things that that gets frustrating when 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 people ask us to to check out source materials it's 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 one of those things where in 99% of the cases we've already considered the idea we want to do source materials time time is near impossible um you you either get us covering anime or you get us covering source materials it's 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 one or the other and i would much rather follow anime um it's 
the the frustrating thing is is like like um Seraph of the End. I can I can mention I absolutely love where the the manga is right now. But when it comes down to it, does that does that add or take away from what what the anime is right now? Yes and no, because the the source material will have stuff that is usually not covered in the in the main in the main ab- adaptation, but that's not always the case. What's frustrating usually is the deviations mostly for the quote-unquote budgeting reasons. I'm going to say budgeting because there's a list of things that we're going to talk about <laughs> later that are not necessarily budget. Um, so it, it's one of those things is yes and no. A, taking into the consideration what they do and then balancing it against your love for it as the, the main crux of the reason why you're even watching it in general if you are if you love the source material you want to see it ad- ad- adapted and like andrew was saying why because we want to share what we love and and one of the main things is most people are not going to read a george R. uh uh novel why because it's a million and a half pages long <laughs> well that's the sad thing is like Usually the comments that I get, especially with the YouTube channel, I get so many comments because I'm I'm watching these shows on a day, on a on a weekly basis, and I'm posting my thoughts on it. And what do I get responsive? Whenever I'm frustrated with something, somebody comes in and says, "Yeah, they didn't really adapt that right. It's supposed to kind of do this thing, and they're just not doing it correct, or they skipped this part that technically explains it." So you feel this almost frustrations from their comments saying, "Yeah, I I don't know why they did that. that that's ruining the show." This is this is literally ruined. Slime had or uh, uh, spider, um, some spider. So what had a ton of people saying that? Like, what are they doing to this thing that I love? Just go read the light novel. Just go read the light novel. Go read the light novel because they were all going. This isn't doing it justice, and that's the big. That's the saddest thing to hear is this isn't doing it justice, and it's sad because most of the examples that I have were technically adapted well, like especially a silent voice as much as i wanted that to be a tv series so they can cover everything they 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 took out quite a bit of chunk of some of the side characters just to fit it into a movie and that upset me at one at some point but guess what when i watched the movie i'm like this was good i enjoyed this yes it doesn't have all these stories but guess what it's still on my shelf like when the movie happened it's so cool the manga's still on my shelf it's so cool <laughs> i was i was really afraid that the moment they adapted it poof but it, no, it's still there. Um, and that was that was the big argument with Berserk is them technically butchering it with CGI that's not that good. It's still on my shelf. Thankfully, it's still on my shelf. That's like the argument that we always have with remakes of games. It's like, yeah, you can say I don't want Final Fantasy VII to be remade, but guess what? Final Fantasy VII's on literally fifty million consoles, so you still have it. It's so cool. Uh, but there is still there. There, I still agree with that idea that again those those concerns that people have with like Spider and I had it with uh, Spirit Chronicles and stuff. It's it's I understand this idea that people are so passionate they want it to be shared around because yeah I I, I want to say that the the manga and light novel industry right now is kind of where anime was you know twenty years ago. It's that you are the kind of the the small group of people that really love what they're reading and they want everybody to know about it, but they, they can't get people to jump into it. 
And maybe down the road, it'll eventually get to the point where it's so widely accepted that there's there's plenty of people to hear. But right now, it's like one of those things where, oh, I love this manga so much. Oh, it's getting adapted. You have pause. I hope they do a good job because I want people to come and talk to me about the manga that's over here. And we're, we're at this point and I want people to get excited about what I'm loving so much. So it's a, it's a valid it's, argument. It is. And, and one of the funny things is having having somebody to talk about it. I remember, I, and I've mentioned this before, talking about Bleach at one point. And we were talking, I remember having this big old debate on on whether or not Kimpachi was stronger than um, than Ichigo. And I was actually taking the side of um, Kimpachi being stronger than, than Ichigo at the time, um, mostly based on the fact of Bankai's. And it was one of the funny, it was one of the funnest arguments that I'd ever had. One of the biggest debates. And I loved it. It was one of the through early, the, one of the early, uh, who would win the fight, uh, Goku or Saitama. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and, and it was, it, it, my, my argument really did come down to Ichigo needed a Bunkai to basically, um, lift him up and and that that literally i i think i had brought in uh uh kuchi um what is his name kuchikichi Mm. uh the the captain that uh rukia's uh big brother um he him and his bankai were quote unquote on the same level as kinpachi without his bankai and so therefore if he had his act, if he actually was to unlock his bunkai, he would just destroy everybody. And <laughs> I, it, it, yeah, I had a lot of fun. So yeah, it, the source materials do have having being secluded to a sor- source material does limit your your range because there's like I said, some people are just not going to bother. That's the sad thing is that I I literally. I don't think there'll ever be a time where I think the only time an adaptation was, like I said, better than the source material is Attack on Titan. And I'll still I still agree that to the day, even though I I don't really like how Mappa handled the Titan fights in their adaptation of the recent season. Um, even though I don't like that, I still think storytelling wise, they did a better job because, in my opinion, the original writer gets a little convoluted and, and likes to chase his tail a lot. His dialogue is too much. And it, it like I said, it, it, it seems like it spins its wheels a lot. But for the most part, I, I, I usually see the source material as obviously being the more better option because guess what? It was written as a source material and that's the medium that it was from. So adapting it, you obviously lose things. You lose, I mean, the big argument that's always with books and Hollywood adaptations is this is your... When you're reading a book, you're imagining something. And often when it gets into a production, like a Hollywood production, what you imagined you seen when you were reading that sometimes was a little bit more bigger and grander scale than what is actually put into effect with an adaptation. But more so than anything, and I think there was a case that you said with player, uh, Ready Player One, I think it was. Um, and it's the same thing. I, I, I especially noticed it with uh, Spice and Wolf is you lose inner dialogue. And that's oh, always yeah. a huge thing with adaptations. I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, no, that was Ender's Game. Ender's Game, okay. Um, there, 
there's things that get lost just because it's changing mediums, and that's why it never meets the expectations that people have. And I think uh, manga's the big problem that manga always runs into, and it's why you see so many scenes like in Dragon Ball where it just suddenly cuts to people go- reacting and going, he's doing this move, that's crazy, and you're like, this fight's going on forever. Well, because in the manga, they're side by side. You're seeing what people are saying as the fight's happening, and that, you know, it the perspective changes a little bit when you see an adapted format. Um, I, but I, I do agree that the aspect of losing context of things is the biggest issue. I, I mean, I face that with Noragami. I don't know how they're going to adapt any more Noragami because of how they um, how they portrayed a certain ability within the characters. Because it becomes a, it becomes a crucial part later on. It's it's this aspect of how their power is based on how they look at the other their opponent. If they look down upon their opponent, they gain strength against them. They gain an advantage. So they're playing mind games all the time, and that's a crucial thing later on. That I don't know how they're going to adapt because of the anime didn't explain that properly or explain it differently. So I I definitely do agree when it comes to changing the storytelling beats because that technically can sometimes ruin the actual. Well, now, now to be fair, uh, and this is this is one of those frustrating things about inner dialogue. Um, People, you don't you're basically in the character's head. And the the frustrating thing is, is that when you get because one one anime that I know that's coming out soon and I I have a lot of love for the source material um, is is Slave Harem. And the problem is with that one is he is so in his head all the time. How is that going to be adapted is beyond me because I literally, I think that that will be coining Andrew's term to its detriment. It will literally, if you get stuck in the character's head and, and literally the entire mechanics of how this world will work comes down to understanding what's going on in his head because he's literally manipulating the world and what's going on based on things that are going on in his head Um, calculating everything yeah he's calculating he's um he's adjusting stats and all that stuff yes he's quote-unquote an uh, overpowered character not really overpowered he's overpowered in the fact that he has the ability to reset stats and and readjust his um, um, where where bonus points are being mani- uh, distributed. distributed, and so him doing that is what makes him quote unquote overpowered. But when it comes down to it, he's doing a lot of that the calculations for that in his head, and then he's manipulating the stats, and then they go off and do whatever it is they're going to do. But he's constantly trying to figure things out. And so a lot of that is in his head. How are they going to adapt to that without doing it all in his head? Because it'll get boring real fast. And that is that is where I'm kind of very scared. But I still love it. They just have him, have to have him voiced by Aoyuki. <laughs> no i'm i'm hoping i'm hoping i'm hoping she a couple did a good of the job with that with the with spider so what and it being extremely boring stat stuff flying all over this place i i don't know i they'll probably give him a kirito and oh you know it's gonna be kirito <laughs> <laughs> i actually think he'd be all right with kirito because it, it would be nice to have a character 
who's kind of forward and this is a kind of more forward i'm 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 we're talking about a a, a story so <laughs> Uh, I, the only other points I have here for the fans' perspective is desire for entertainment. I mean, that's not much to talk about there. Just the aspect of you know you you want to be entertained, and me me personally, I'll say I often lose entertainment based on the 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 quality. And it's not so much that I expect perfection all the time. It's just whenever I see things that are glaringly having issues, it takes me out of the immersion. I. Uh, wonky character designs is always my my <laughs> Achilles tendon. I mean, it. I see a wonky character design, and I'm going. If I if I have a moment where my brain pauses and goes, "Wait, who is that?" Then I have a problem, and I get angry again. But I don't take it beyond that. I don't. I don't even get on Twitter and yell out about it. I might make a reference to it in a tweet saying, "Man, this character looks weird," but I don't go at Bones at you know Doug Kobo. I just go, man, that's just. It looks weird. I, I don't like that. Um, but yeah, the the last one I have is the lack of information that leads to speculation. And this is, I think, the the worst part from a fan perspective. And we kind of technically talked a little bit about this earlier, so I don't, I don't necessarily think we had to talk about it too long. But yes, when we do see that there's an issue in a show, I think the fact that we don't know what happened sometimes lets certain people run with it too much we we assume the worst we assume the studio is bad we assume this director is terrible we assume it's money problems it's it's budgeting problems we assume what we think i i think the biggest one that everybody says is budget oh man they're losing their budget oh man bones is losing their budget they no longer have their budget obviously my hero academia is going downhill so i i do think that there is a valid argument to be made by a lack of information but at the same time, that goes back to my previous argument. You're not owed that explanation. If you think about it, you're not owed that exp- explanation. I, again, I think we often too much believe that this stuff is made for us and it should meet our expectations. And if it doesn't, somebody screwed up. We feel like we own the property sometimes and we technically don't. It's, it's that aspect of you have to keep... You have to keep reality in check to realize this is, again, most cases, an advertisement for a source material and nothing more. That's always been one of those frustrating. I think we ended up talking about this at some point is who who owns the property. And it we 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 discussed the idea of you 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 feel an a ownership of it because you've invested in it mm-hmm. you and you're investing your time, your, your, your heart. You, and so in, in a lot of cases you end up feeling kind of an ownership over it. But when it comes down to it, the property does belong to the original creator. He's sharing it with you. And it's, it's, it's hard to kind of balance those two at, because I understand that I, I really, really do. There's well, think about it. What is, what do all the, especially harem, creators do they're wanting you to fall in love with their character Mm -hmm. and so when again if if say that character is killed off what happens people are mad you killed off my character my character (laughs) my waifu it's like you 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 basically create your story around the idea of people falling in love with your characters not not just the 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 you know the harem aspects and and waifus even just the aspect of a hero that you spend you know, hundreds of volumes going through or chapters going through and, and loving that character. And 
And the whole idea is the the creator wants you to think that this is somebody that you know. Even in some cases, they want you to feel like you're in this role, self-inserting character. They want you to feel so much investment in these characters. So how can you not argue that the moment that it ruins it, you feel like you've been betrayed and that it was yours? That's what the creator wants you to think. The creator wants you to love and invest yourself in the story. Right. So it technically does have its 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 leanings of, of validity, but still, again, you have to have that reality check of it's not yours. <laughs> it's not your stuff. You're not owed anything. But so let's get into the creator perspective. This is the, I guess, the more fun side of everything is really kind of diving into what I now guess we're now we're now we're expect. truly playing the the devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? Because we're going to take the side of the creators for a minute. Oh yeah, nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody likes that. Okay, so basically, again, like I mentioned earlier, the misconception that most people have is that whenever there's a problem in an anime and how it's produced, we immediately go Bones' fault. Immediately go to Futable's fault. We immediately go to Shaft's fault. We immediately go. No, Shaft doesn't do anything wrong. I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> We immediately go to the studio. Um, and it's funny because it I don't hear as much as I used to. People used to always say the production committee's fault. Oh, people hate production, production committee. Production committee is like the root of all evil. And I do technically agree to certain extents. But again, business. Production committee put their money out there. They can expect what they want to expect. Um, there's, there's always, the, I there's think always that the evil bad guy that I, everybody wants to focus on. I think that's mostly because people have gotten to, or the production committees have gotten to the point where they are not putting forcing token characters anymore. Um, I don't see that. It doesn't feel like I've seen that as much where it feels like a character has been forced into there for because it has to have a Sundere. It doesn't feel like they've forced a, um, a cute singer character in there anymore. It, 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 it's just feeling like a lot of na- more natural as far as the original source material. Now, I could be very wrong. I, I'm just going based off of what it feels like um, to me. Uh, whereas you would go back back in time. Uh, we've, we've actually seen anime they where they've actually... Production committees do often play into trends. I mean, isekai, I'm sure there's plenty of production committees right now. They're just playing off isekais. I think that's probably why you get so many sekais. They're these these groups that have money that want to sell certain things are going. The trend right now is these sekais. What what can we adapt? That's these sekai. Well, we have this this guy is doing this in our group. He's doing this light novel. It's these sekai. Get it in here. Let's do it. Right. I'm I'm talking about more along the lines of forced um, story changes. Um, that, that used to be a thing at one point. It doesn't seem like it's doing that much anymore. Um, so take that for what it is. I think that's generally the reason why production committees aren't being harassed as much. Um, but Hey, and I, I think there's a lot to be said about, I mean, again, we go back to Grimgar and fantasy and Ash. Literally they had a record studio in that, a record label that was in that production committee. So obviously they promoted their music. I didn't mind it. I no. love no name, but there was a lot of people that really didn't like the fact that they technically spooned their their musicians in there and literally made it a staple in the show. I didn't care for it. I didn't mind it so much because again, I liked the music and it it fit the scenes really well. 
Um, you could make an argument that some scenes seem to be drug out a little bit too long just so they can get the entire track in there. That I can agree I with. I had moments where I felt that. I do agree. But for the most part, it didn't really affect it too much. But, but I think most people just kind of... I they guess gave us a gra- great-looking anime for the for it, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. Cool little watercolor look to it. Oh, yeah. But I think the I think most people are their arguments is kind of straying more towards studios. And again, I can technically I think it may have been the fact that maybe they're stepping away from, I guess, pointing at the production committees because there's been so much in the last, I don't know, four or so years. It's it's been going on. It it's it's not as if it, it was only a problem. Don't get me wrong, it was not, not only a problem in the last four or five years. It just seems like there's a lot more focus anymore on the conditions in studios. And we're immediately now focusing on that. I mean, MAPA has been in the in the articles a lot here in the last year. The, MAPA has been criticized severely because of how much content they're putting out and how much how high ambition those products are. As much as and it's so funny because at one moment we'll go, "Man, Jujutsu Kaisen looks so amazing," and the next minute we'll go, "But they're probably underpaid and they're probably you know being like." you know, slave workers in those rooms to get this product done. And then suddenly out of nowhere, these articles are coming out about the working conditions. And then, hey, hey check out Chainsaw Man. Everybody's like, yeah, man, it looks great. <laughs> we love seeing the Sakuga, but then at the same time, we're going, oh, crap. Their the working conditions, their pay is terrible. So I think that, I think due, due to the fact of how much focus is getting on the studios themselves and how much money is not going to the animators is making it to where just saying the studio name is easy is easier with a production committee. We have to look into all these different groups that are actually working on it and paying into it. Whereas when it comes to a studio, we can just say MAPA. It's much easier to say. <laughs> and again, even still then there's a lot to be said about, well, what did this, the, what did the producers have involvement with it? Well, if they're underpaid, then why isn't the money getting to them? How much money was given to the studio? How much of it's not going to the studio? How much is it going to the director? How much? Is it, how is money being distributed is the end story there. So I don't know how I got to this argument. <laughs> in, in, in some cases, it'll it'll depend on the name. Oh, who to blame? I got you. Well, the, the, the name recognition for the, the property, it will 99% be the reason – a lot of this. Um, budgetary, see, I, I, I have a hard time balancing between budgetary constraints and, and production time constraints. The, the two of them, I think can counteract with each other or they can complement each other in, in a lot of cases. I think some studios are starting to get into a situation where they're rectifying the time restraints by pre-producing. Yeah. And I think this is a huge, a, a huge uh, boost for them. They're going to do a lot better by pre-producing the product and then releasing it on on the time schedule. The ones that seem to hurt the most, because I I lean towards time constraints as being their biggest flaw, the biggest flaw in the production problem. However, I am not going to discount budget in any way, shape, or form. If you are not paying for the product, you're not going to get a good product. I, I, I remember us talking about um, one show in particular. I don't remember which one it is. Um, but I remember talking about the idea of them sending it off to China uh, to a, um, 
to a production studio there. And we, we fought on the idea of whether or not that was even, if there was a particular scene that we remember talking about and whether or not that was that particular scene. And it's, it's one of those frustrating things of yes, budget is important, but I think time constraints is, seems to be the bigger problem. Yeah. I think it's, it seems like I seem to remember reading somewhere where pretty much most studios all use Chinese yeah. uh, animators anymore. It, then that's the sad thing because that's the difficulty that we we face with especially the the in the in quality of the product from a creator's perspective is do we send this out to do we outsource this to, to get something done and if it's done too late you know how much time do they have to look at it to make sure that it was done properly and then you're like well crap we don't have much time just and I think that's probably what happened with Shaft with Mikaku City Actors. I haven't actually looked into seeing if anything was released on what happened there. Again, I don't really expect it, so I don't really look. <laughs> Is Was that a case where they sent that off for somebody to do outsource, and then that came back, and they're like, we don't have time. The episode needs to air. Put well, it, and you, you've, got, you've, got, you've got shows like Shirobako that does actually dig into a yeah. lot of this, this stuff. So you, you understand. You can, you can see it visibly and understand what it is that we're actually talking about here. The, 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 we're not, we're not talking about this stuff in, in, in a void. You just, just speculate. We were, wa- we've watched shows that have actually broke this down. We, we, wa- uh, uh, we watched the, um, the Ghibli explanation of how all that stuff works and how freaking murderous he can be about, uh, making sure that everything is meticulous. Um, so it's, it's it's stuff like that where we get a glimpse behind the 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 curtain and we can we can say okay this is why they're doing the stuff that they're doing and what is actually breaking down in this system that's why i say budget is 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 one of those that's a little bit we we used to talk about budget all the time because everybody who was anybody in in the podcasting realm when when something looked bad it was automatically budget right. i don't i don't quite uh, subscribe to that much anymore because I think that time constraint after watching Shirobako and stuff like that, where I can see, you can see visibly this, this, this thing. And, and that's just like, uh, uh, mangakas and, and how they talk about their, their evil, um, uh, uh, the 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 person who's coming to get the 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 thing, and they're knocking on the doors, and the mangaka is always running away and hiding. Is it really like that? Probably not. It's probably exaggerated to a to an extent, but <laughs> they're, they're pretty it's much like probably the trying to get their money from them. <laughs> it's <laughs> Hide from the landlady. It's there is probably to an extent something that is akin to reality. There, well, Shirobako showed that with having him basically be locked into a cage downstairs, which again is something that I've heard is actually a thing <laughs> they have a room where if the director or whatever does not do their job that's where they go until it's finished so it, th- there's 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 something to akin to the reality there but at the same time it's probably not to the extremes that they make it but at the same time on the flip side of the coin the writers pr- the mangaka himself is probably doesn't want to uh because there is there's this aspect of um inspiration versus forced um forced writing you, you don't if oh, you're like miura i mean that was the ongoing joke rest his soul 
that he would always get caught up in the next Idol Master game that came out, and he wouldn't be producing manga for a while. <laughs> well, <laughs> he does I, there is a human being behind these things? On the Western side, you got George R. R. Martin, who's we we don't think we'll ever be, see um, the the next book before he passes. He's it, too it, afraid it, of it. <laughs> At this point, I think he's too afraid. It's it's one of those things that it's it's there is a frustration in in um works of art and the time constraint uh, you you have to balance the two and when when the when the consumer gets to a point of expectation of the the material it does it can impede on the the art and that's the the frustration in a lot of that yeah i think i do agree i think we've talked about this aspect of Shirabako being a really cool anime, even if you didn't like it in the end, it's a really great way of seeing the the process. Because I think to understand that nothing is always about just this – the the problem does not always lie in the same thing that people want to believe it always lies in. If you see the process in which it, it's made – I don't I, – we've done a podcast where we talked about the, the, the process of animation and – once you understand all the working parts, the process, you start to understand that, yeah, time constraint can be an issue. We, we've, it was really cool last year when we got to see how some studios technically have pre-produced things because when the whole pandemic happened, what happened? Several shows, they had to come out on Twitter and say, don't worry, this will still air. We're done. Like, they were done with it already. And that was like... We don't really hear that often. It's always the the uh, I guess the assumption is always that everything is done on a weekly basis, and that's why there's such a rush and time constraint is because they don't give them enough time to work on something. Yeah, they'll pre-produce things before a season comes around, but it always feels like they're working on a weekly basis. I mean, it's, I'm assuming especially with long-running series, you usually they're working literally on a weekly basis, and they're trying to get it done in time. You usually see it the biggest in the last latter episodes when the when yeah. the when the crunch starts getting more and more. The time from the finish of product to the time it airing starts to get shorter because they're they're using all their excess time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're already seeing that in a couple of shows this season, and it's like, I yeah. Two Year Eternity started losing it. It the Two Year Eternity early on looked amazing and incredible. It still looked good in the end. It's just you notice like, well, these fight scenes aren't as you know bombastic as they were before because yeah, they probably were facing. We're running out of time. <laughs> we need to prove something, <laughs> which is sad. But like I said, knowing that process, you start to see. How all these moving parts have to work in sync for it. And Shirabako, again, does show you different examples of where something went wrong and how it fit, it affected the finished product. That's why that show was so fantastic is because it gave all those perspectives. It gave, you know, arguments about the finished good. It made arguments about the writing. It made arguments about, you know, the outsourcing. It made arguments about the quality of things, the in-betweens, the key artists, all those things it was playing out to show you – this isn't just when, – when an anime is made, the paper doesn't go into one side of a box that says Studio Bones and then comes out the other side to say, oh, Studio Bones is a fall. Obviously, the box is called Studio Bones when this side came out wrong on the other side. No, inside that box, when you open it, it goes through all these twists and turns, and if one of those is incorrect, 
it doesn't go through. It breaks <laughs> or it comes out and all crunched. So it even talked about uh, certain artists being uh, better at certain things over other things. Um, wasn't one of the characters was really good at uh, animal stuff and mm-hmm. the other character wasn't or is something like that. Something about cats. There was some some insert of cats in there somewhere. <laughs> but then, yeah, even with those aspects to show that you do get into time constraints, you do get into budget. Yeah, technically, some shows may not have much of a budget given to them or they may misallocate the budget and then at that point yeah you do have underpaid staff members that are trying to get something finished or they just don't and then they outsource it to somebody else and then yeah i here's the one argument that i have from the creator's perspective that i think is the most interesting because i don't think you'll ever hear about it i don't think it's possible to ever hear about it the lack of care or our caring i know I, I can say there's an argument to be made for caring because i've seen plenty of documentaries where I feel like there is a genuine passion for something. I think Miyazaki is a great example of caring about something. It, it, you, you, I, I think also, um, oh, shoot, who was it? Um, there was a documentary for Trigger, I think, where the director there was, like, showing this incredible amount of passion. Like, he literally is, like, he's, one of those, he's kind of like Miyazaki, where he'd take it and go, I'll do it. <laughs> Miyazaki, I've seen plenty of times where he's like, I'll just do it. Um, I think there is an element of passion versus not passion. But at the same time, I don't think it's necessarily... I think that passion is really centered around the love of the art. And I do think that there's probably... I don't think that... The cool thing about anime is I don't think that most animators go into anime because they want to get paid a lot. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of them that are hoping that eventually they'll become, you know, art directors or animation directors and move up the scale to more paying jobs. But for the most part, most animators are doing it because they love the art. It's it's similar to any other art in the world. It, that's the one thing I always enjoy about people like saying, you know, technically animators are underpaid and it's only in that industry. No, it's it's literally every industry that's art. If you're if you're not top dog in an industry of art, you're not paid squat. And so we do kind of have a sense that there's a passion there. But at the same time, there's probably plenty of people in that cog of that – in that box that we said is this one thing that probably don't have the passion for what they're working on. And I think you can you can see that in some cases. So – that's all the creator's perspective, and I, and I do I do think that I think we've covered most of my quote unquote options that creators face, and that is again outsourcing, which can often lead to issues. So when they are restrained, they are running out of time. Sometimes it leads to outsourcing, which can have its own problems. Uh, cutting frames, which we see a lot. Whenever you see a show where it seems like you're looking at a steel character and there's just people talking in the background <laughs> or, or my, my big example I always give wake up girls season two, that stupid window on the outside of the building that we've seen <laughs> pretty much half the show. <laughs> you obviously get a sense that they didn't have anything to animate there. So let's just show the outside of the building again for the 50th time. That's where you obviously see that they cut some frames there. You're not really looking at any kind of uh, quality animation there. Uh, the one option they have and they literally rarely use is delays. Yeah. And I don't think in a lot of cases they can do that. And I think because in, in, essentially a lot of these studios, a lot of these production committees, a lot of these producers are facing is 
when they make a, an agreement with a TV broadcast or something like that, they have to fill that slot. The TV is like the the, the station's like, okay, uh, you'll be in this slot right here. So every every week you'll have this time slot. Okay. Uh, next come week. Okay. Here's the product. Okay. Good. Let's 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 broadcast it. And the next week comes around. Uh, we're not going to meet the de- that that time. Uh, what else you got? Insert uh, insert the, <laughs> recap the, the recap episode. The dreaded <laughs> together, recap episode. Re- throw together a recap. Of, they have to fill that slot. They paid for it. They have to fulfill that contract, and that's that's a case they have to face. And I think that's probably why a lot of them are trying to produce earlier is to avoid that scenario. They don't really technically want to do that because then what happens? They have to pay for another slot later, and they don't want to do that. I'm not sure exactly how that works, so don't quote me there. It could be a case where they're given 13 slots and they only have 12 episodes just because they want to avoid the possibility they seem of that. to be – I mean if, if, if the trends that we're seeing are any indication, I think they're being a little bit more – I'm not going to say frivolous, uh, looser – with their those those constraints where because we we've we've noticed that for whatever reason things are starting to be more staggered and it doesn't make any sense outside of the they're just not enforcing those contracts as as harshly as they used to be no i don't know about that (laughs) i don't know any of that stuff well if you think about it from a from a tv uh time slot that that makes no sense. I mean, you're literally one show is starting halfway through the season and ending halfway through the that other stuff, season. Yeah, that stuff would make sense. Uh, and that's that's what I'm saying. It's TV so that makes sense because it's on. It's technically produced through Adult Swim. So Adult Swim's like, eh, we want it here. It doesn't really fall into the seasonal category. So Fina the Pi- Fina Pirate Princess makes sense to me. It's not. It wasn't built around Japan broadcast. It was built around American broadcast, and we don't go by seasons. But something like Jahi didn't make sense to me, unless that one's an ONA. I don't think that's an ONA. Well, ONAs would make sense, uh, but but outside yeah, of that, like, uh, the, some of the other stuff, yeah. Well, still, the vast majority of the shows are on their weekly schedule. But there is we there is some shows that are seeming to come out of nowhere, um, and it seems like they're starting four weeks late. And that's at least a quarter of the season gone. Yeah, that's that's why I didn't it. It made perfect sense to me that Jahi was going for, I was like, 20 episodes or something like that. It's like, well, yeah, because you lost half of one season, <laughs> so you might as well. Uh, it, I don't know. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's based on the fact that there may be ONAs. I'd have to double check on that. I don't think Jahi's in an ONA, but... If it's uh, 20 episodes, that doesn't even make sense as an ONA. Right. Well, no, it makes sense. I mean, ONA technically would be perfect for being able to do an unscripted amount of time. I mean, because they don't have the restraints of a broadcast. It's an it's an original net pro, uh, broadcast, so it can technically be however. I mean, that's just like uh, Dropkick on My Devil. That was technically an ONA, so they just did whatever the hell they wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seemed like they were still fitting it into a time slate, so maybe they did originally do an ONA, but it was released on broadcast as well. But that stuff's, that stuff's kind of one of those areas of I don't really want to invest all my time to research every single mm-hmm. one of those, so excuse my f- lack of knowledge there. Um. Because, like I said, a lot of, in a lot of cases, it seems like it's listed as an ONA, but they're still broadcasting it. Because why not? Why not make that little extra money to have it broadcast on television? But um, that's pretty much everything. I I did want to get into some possible uh, cases that we've kind of faced in the past few years or so. And I think that's really kind of comes down to, yeah, we were, I've already mentioned My Hero Academia incident. 
And, I, and, I, and I, like I said before, I think that's a really great example, and that's why I keep bringing it up, is My Hero Academia 109 was a great example if, again, we're taking the animator's word for what it is, and I think based on how they're explaining it, it makes sense. Um, for those that aren't, again, aware, they broadcast that episode. It felt a little lacking in a certain scene, and then this animator came out and posted the original rough draft of rough animation of what their their vision was basically like this is what i had planned to do and it looked incredible and then everybody took that as bones is doing a, a terrible job bones did this they were noting that his name was not in the credits and the, so they were assuming that he got fired and kicked out and this was his middle finger to the studio and oh my gosh bones is terrible again we're drawing speculations here that technically are incorrect they were saying again that he was kicked off the team, that they didn't want to do this. Um, they were saying it was Bones' fault. They were saying it's a budget issue. They were saying it. Oh, this is because they're doing the movie at the same time, and all their efforts is focused on the movie. And guess what? The actual person that posted it said, "This was my ambition. It was too much. I I I put this together, and technically, it had an incredible amount of shots, and it was too much." So this was a creator saying, don't attack Bones. I love these people. I love My Hero Academia. You are attacking... He essentially said, I'm posting this because I got permission from Bones to post this because I wanted to show you people what I wanted to do, and unfortunately I couldn't do it. And instead, this is now being used to attack the people I work with and attack these hardworking animators. And it wasn't my. That wasn't his intention. He's like, I got permission to do this, and now it's being used to attack the studio. And it was so sad to see it kind of unfolding and, and reading this person's words as they tweeted out all this pretty much plea to the fans to say, "This isn't why I posted this. I wanted you to see what I wanted to do. It didn't. I was too ambitious. We couldn't pull this off in time, and so it was scrapped. But I still wanted you people to see this." How sad is that? Yeah. Like, how sad are we as fans to not, again, to jump to conclusions? I, I it was, it was so sad because that, of course, that episode aired Saturday. I seen it. I seen that posted, and I'm like, oh yeah, that would have been cool. Oh well. Next day, I come in online and I see nothing but people going, "Holy crap! Hate bones. Bones is terrible. Oh my gosh! Look at this. This is so terrible. The world's ending. Oh my gosh! My eyes are bleeding." And that yet here's the person that posted it and going please stop like this wasn't this is this isn't what i wanted this isn't why i posted it it is again this is where people took that clip posted it elsewhere and said this is what really happened and none of those people knew what would happen we, all these people are telling you what the narrative is and they have no clue and here's the actual person that did it and he's going that's not the narrative that's not what happened stop <laughs> It's incredibly sad. Um, and that, and that, what was so great about that is, like, like I said before. Didn't we have something similar with uh, Kumo Miko? Where people just took what he was saying and oh, if you were looking looking at what he was saying, it was, it was va- almost vastly different than what the, the, the community had turned it into. Yeah, that was... Yeah, I don't remember all that, but yeah, I, I seem to recall that, so I don't want to speak on it so, because it was a very – it went in a really terrible direction. But yeah, that and like I said, I think the great thing about that example of My Hair Academia is that it points out the obvious flaw in 
every single issue that we have with production is the assumption of the greater value. The assumption that everything falls on this. Everything is because of this. Everything, it, this is the bad guy that we always have to assume is the problem. It's either budget, director, or studio. In most cases, like I said recently, it's always studio. Studio's at fault. Studio's at fault. Something hiccuped on my screen. Studio's fault. This character didn't do a full backflip. Instead, they did a cutaway, and then they were on their feet again. Studio's fault. It's not always that. So the assumption is it's easy. It's easy for us to do. But the assumption is, I would guess, probably never correct. It's it's some it's it's probably a lot to do with again like this case right here being too ambitious i know that sucks to hear but i want to say that i probably would assume that in most cases it's being too ambitious i know i would probably argue that i think most of the problems that come in animation issues is probably just not timing things properly cuz i think that could have been pulled off if he probably started working on that and i'm assuming it's a he um, that he worked on that a month ago. He would have plenty of time to work on it. But it doesn't always work in studio development. Like everything, the problem with things being worked on really early is that you have to kind of form everything around that. And if well, you don't have the writing and everything working in sync to produce something in a timely manner... Yeah, you do have storyboards and everything you can work on, but you kind of have everything. You have to have sometimes everything working in sync to an end goal. And to go, well, I'm thinking of doing a really crazy thing with this particular scene, so I'm going to work on this, you know, two months out. It's just, it's something that's very difficult to, one, work together on, but two, to pre-plan. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those things. And that's, that's why I was saying that I, I lean towards time constraints being the bigger problem. A, just to take into consideration, they may be working on this scene. They're starting to. There's another scene that's more pressing, um, and they need some some help to get that one finished. And so they borrow a, a, an animator from this this particular scene to work on that. And then they may may go back and forth. And then the at, that's why we were saying when it all starts to compound and you get to the crunch time. Suddenly, you're, all these scenes are falling behind, and you need all of these scenes all at one time to come together in some kind of weird miracle. And that usually at that time is when the biggest action scenes are happening. And so you're, you're also pressed to that where you have more Sakuga is involved in the latter scenes. And so everything is blowing up all at one time, and they just go, okay, um, wizard barristers. <laughs> Yeah, it is funny that where sometimes again this goes back to your statement earlier about us kind of feeling certain things is that feeling that sometimes you'll watch an episode and it feels like there isn't much animation happening. You're like something's probably going to happen. <laughs> sometimes in, in a lot of cases with you know some seemingly respectable studios, you'll sometimes feel that where it feels like there's not crazy action happening and the animation is not really doing much, and then that's usually because eventually. Oh, this is what their entire last few weeks was based on was animating this scene. Um, but no, like I, I think with this particular case, they're they're plainly stating that you know typically with a a scene like this, you'll have this many cuts, and with so many technically characters in the background and stuff, he was clearly stating that 
he put a lot of work into this and didn't realize, or I don't know if he technically realized, but when it came down to producing that, they realized this is going to take a lot of cuts. This is going to take a lot of work. There's a lot of things in here. There's a lot of moving parts in the scene. This is going to be very incredibly difficult to animate in this time restraint. Again, ambitions were high, ambitious. Ambitions were higher than capability and time. And again, not always the case of bad studio. So, but is this again. a freaking war that's going on in My Hero Academia <laughs> or what? Shoot, there's technically yeah, um, <laughs> uh, the Liberation Army. Uh, I do need to get cut up. <laughs> you do, so I can talk about that scene. I, I, I actually wanted to play the scene for him, but I'm like, it technically has a spoiler in it, and I, I, I do think it's a pretty cool spoiler. So, uh, anyways, so don't look into it. <laughs> you, I, I actually said in my video, I'm like, uh, I'm going to talk about this. So if you don't want soft spoilers, just put a post it on your screen where this box in the corner is playing this video. Um, anyways, yeah, some other examples we had, and again. What's so cool, again, about that situation is that we had somebody actually come out and say what happened. And I think every single other case that I have listed here, we have zero context, or at least context that I've seen. So, yeah, we had recently the the, the threats that were coming around MAPPA taking over Attack on Titan from Wit Studio and how much everybody was... And I agree with this one, how the the, the anger around the use of CGI for the Titans. But, like I said, I wasn't as outraged as most people because... I did note that Witch Steel began to use CGI before they stopped doing it. So it's not as if MAPPA is doing anything differently here. I do, I didn't like the, the Titan fights because of that. And I think that was the biggest issue I had with the recent season of Attack on Titan was the fights didn't feel like Titans were fine. It felt like, I don't know, G.I. Joe toy soldiers were, were punching each other. It didn't feel the, that. And I mentioned that with when I was talking about Evangelion, the recent movie. It's like I didn't feel like these fully CGI fights felt the weight of a typical Evangelion fight. And I do get that feeling a lot when I deal with CGI animation. It just, I don't feel like these are big, heavy things. I just feel like they're toys punching each other. Technically, that was a part of the joke with Evangelion at some point, but <laughs> we won't get into that. Um, but no, I that, that whole situation was terrible. Again, a lot of threats, a lot of anger and hatred was coming out from that. Uh, I think the, the the use of CGI in general is a a huge thing in a lot of people's outrage, and I and I to an extent agree. I, I I hate when I see CGI in my anime, especially when the show for the most part is all two D, and then suddenly I see CGI. I always get angry, and then you have cases like <laughs> Unlimited Fafner where they go to use CGI at the very end, and apparently the process didn't complete. <laughs> uh, we no got no skins. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, it was like no texture to it, or it just yeah, didn't render no skins. at all. Yeah, just didn't didn't work out at all. So <laughs> no it was textures. it was the entire skeleton, but no skins on the skeleton. Yeah, and what's funny is I I I think that there's even problems when the studio is really good at CGI. I, I I even note my frustration with CGI when it comes to Ufootable with Unlimited Blade Works. As much as I love Ufootable and what they do, even with um, Demon Slayer. I, I joked about this when I talked about the Demon Slayer movie. Is Ufootable does incredible work with CGI. It, you don't feel it. You 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 see this the 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 environment and stuff swooping around, but you don't feel like you're in a you yeah you'll know if you stop you like yeah it's technically this is a 3D environment and the 2D characters running through it. 
But when you're watching it and it's in motion, you, do, you don't care because it looks so good. Because the backgrounds and everything mesh so well with the characters, you don't care that it's technically in a 3D environment moving around and such. But they even still then, Ufootable screws up. Like I joked again with the Demon Slayer, they brought the stupid CGI blobs into that movie now, way here in 2020, I think it was when it was released from Japan. Those same stupid CGI blobs that existed way back when they did Unlimited Blade Works is still in their arsenal. It's like, stop using these ugly CGI blobs. Um, even with Unlimited Blade Works, the skeletons that they, they summoned, they looked terrible. But it's still those usages. They, they use them all. CGI loves, they love using CGI for armies and stuff. Um, that's always, I mean, Slime here recently, I was watching Slime, like, yeah, there's the CGI armies. <laughs> Don't want to draw every individual. I understand why they're doing it. I still can hate it. <laughs> at least, Copy at least paste is a great thing. <laughs> yeah, just peep, 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 Just like, no, just enter value and it just, boop, there it is. There's your army. Uh, yeah. We we talked about to death wizard barristers ending. Um, I think the thing that I ate, I was so frustrated with that, but again, I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't remember there being a crazy outcry with wizard barristers, and I think that was probably because it didn't have that big of a fandom. Like Wake Up Girls season two as well. I don't think because because wizard barristers and and Wake Up Girls unlimited Faulkner. A lot of these you didn't hear about some crazy death threats going to the studios and stuff because I don't think any of those. No, were we had it, it hadn't gotten that um, vicious yet. Now, I'm not saying that there wasn't somebody that sent the death threat to the studio for doing Wake Up Girls two the way they did it, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you didn't hear about it because it wasn't that very grand scale. No, Wake Up Girls definitely didn't have the fandom that 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 the other that much of any of these well, ones. Well, most idol shows don't technically have a huge no. fandom. Uh, that, that's and a surprising that one, thing. that one was an, at, at least the time, it was an original, point. it was an original um, storyline. Yeah, well, I guess most, most idol shows are original, so I guess that doesn't really work either, so. True. I don't think, I don't think I've ever really seen, I, I think that one that was about the, uh, the girls that were in that, like, district, the, what was that called? It was the the idol that was in like some rundown town that were trying to revitalize local the doll? town. Yeah, local doll. Yeah, that one was I think based off of a, a manga. But yeah, most of them are pretty much originals, and most of them are technically based off of rhythm games and and the mixed media projects. Usually, what they are for. So, uh, we already talked about Watari Watari. Um, and yeah, the last one I have was obviously Darling of the Franks. <laughs> that that and that was funny because that's not technically an an issue with the quality of the the visuals in most cases like my hero academia that was an outrage based on them not pulling off a scene with studio and and mappa that was a case of visual you've seen cgi being used a lot and i would make an argument and, and, and i didn't really look into it too much i always, and the one that was always kind of echoed a lot was the fact that they were using so much cgi with mappa my issue with Mappa was more on the fact that you, that when you've seen regular characters, it wasn't much movement and there wasn't much motion happening to them. Um, but like I said, most all these are cases where because something was adapted visually wrong, people were mad. And again, we do make the argument that technically with like Slime or Spider So What and all those ones, there is a outcry from the source material crowd. 
But I think in a lot of those cases, most of them don't, they hate it, but they don't care because they were already, they already, I think the moment that it was going to get adapted, they were already accepting the fact that it's going to be terrible. So they have their expectations set before and that they love the original source material. So they're fine. It's almost like, you know, again, my argument with Final Fantasy VII, it's like, I don't care that they're remaking Final Fantasy VII because technically I still have the original game that if it sucks, I can come back to this. But in the case with Darling with Frank specifically, that was technically about writing choices. Like they chose to do this with a certain character and people got super mad. <laughs> it was one of those cases where when it happened, it was like, wait, are we doing this? <laughs> like, it's like you, you're, you're in the middle of the crowd and then suddenly everybody goes, let's spray paint a pineapple on that wall. And they all start rushing over there and you're going, wait, wait, is that what we're doing? <laughs> it, were you, are we really going to spray paint a pineapple on the wall? And I'm, I just, I still don't understand. I, I'm perfectly fine with the wall being the way it is, but if you want to spray paint a pineapple, I guess. Okay, settle down, settle down. It was really weird, and then, and that was again another one of those cases where there was like threats and everything going to. I think they were attacking the director or something like that. It didn't make any sense because they weren't the writer and stuff. It was, it was bizarre. And what hurt most about it was like, I was on the side like going, but that. Decision makes perfect sense. Like, I don't see why this is a bad thing. But then it goes back to our our discussion earlier in this episode, talking about how the creator wants you to love these characters so much that when one character does something that's against your other character that you like more, suddenly it becomes like a personal attack. And it's like, I on one hand, I love the idea that people get angry about a character because that, that tells you you have investment. Yeah. The fact that you have investment in this character so much that you're angry about what other, another character does is a sign of a good story and a good immersion, at yeah. least. Even if you don't like the story, a good immersion, at least. You love these characters. But at the same time, when it, one, makes sense to me that the character would do that, it, it boggles my mind. But the two, that people would be willingly to f- threaten physical harm to people over it boggles my mind <laughs> that's like I, I i seen here i don't know about a couple weeks ago somebody it was a voice actor i think posted about the fact that he got somebody messaged them saying don't voice this role because it'll ruin your reputation because he was voicing a role of a bad character or something like that in a show or a game or something like that that people were saying don't do this because that's a bad character it's like that's a good thing if you could voice that character and pull it off, you're acting a role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. It's not that. Then that goes back to the whole argument about d- disconnecting the creators from the the creation thing, which we've we've gone into to death, especially with like Rowan and Kenshin and stuff. But it was it was mind boggling what happened with Darling the Franks. It, it literally it, again, it's similar to everything else. It's like these people, you are way too invested in this stuff. Chill out. And I and I won't even put the pure blame on the Western audience because it, it seems like there is a thing there's a quite a bit of it in Japan as well. Yeah. And that's it's more of a threat to them. There's so many cases where, you know, these writers and stuff, they have to cancel conventions, they have to cancel signings, they have to cancel all this stuff because these idiots will email them saying, I'm going to do harm to this person because you chose this character in your writing and not my character. It almost feels like the response of making a 
a harem ish show or a love triangle show have two ending volumes is because they're avoiding <laughs> the death threats. It's sad <laughs> because again, that insane investment that people have with these characters and these stories and people not being quite right in the head. Un- unfortunately, uh, leads to some really interesting scenarios. Not it interesting, it, it is a frustration. A lot of people do seem to take it a little bit too far. But yeah, that's that's basically the gist of this podcast episode. I think we've, whoa, I actually talked a lot more than I thought we'd end up talking. But that's again always a good thing. I always end up creating something thinking it's not going to have much conversation, but then it does. But I, like I said, my my main nutshell in the end is just to really remind people: one, these are just shows. There's there, it's not the end of the world if they don't always pan out. And two, you know. Not really set your expectations, but know that nothing is always from one thing. That everything that, that this is a huge thing that has so many moving parts. That if one thing hiccups, it causes a huge problem. And it's not always big bad studio, big bad director, big bad producer, big bad production committee. There's sometimes it's just somebody had too much ambition. Somebody didn't quite meet the, be- the the deadline. They had to outsource and it screwed up. They ran out of time. There's so many things that can come into play and unfortunately we don't have control over it and sometimes they don't have control over it. Um, let's just say that Timmy didn't spill his coffee on the computer. <laughs> we'll never know, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's a wrap. That's uh, Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun talking about all this stuff. Uh, as always, we thank everybody who supports us on Patreon. Uh, supports us by telling other people about us, supports us through subscribing on the YouTube channel, watching my videos over there. Uh, there's plenty of ways for people to support us, and we definitely appreciate you guys. So as always, if you guys do have a moment, go subscribe, check out the videos, and if you have a couple bucks, throw it to us on Patreon. We definitely appreciate the support. Uh, but we hope you guys enjoy this video, or this video. <laughs> I always say that because I'm not used to saying video anymore. Uh, it will be in video format on the YouTube channel, just no visuals because uh, we're still working on a permanent solution for video podcasting since it's such a long form discussion. But uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed. And as always, you all take care. Oh. Last night.